Amen. We're in John chapter 5. Karen and I were living in the Warren-Youngstown area in Ohio when our kids were born. And after they came along, we started making more frequent trips back to the Cleveland area to visit my parents. And I can remember once being home and my mother said to me, I think there's a drug house right across the street because people are parking on the street and they'll get out and they'll run up the stairs and they'll be at the door for a minute or so and then they'll come back and get in their cars and leave. And it happened during the day, but especially happened at night. And, and they were wondering, why don't the police do something? Um, I'd, I don't know if they ever called the police. I wouldn't be surprised if they had. But if they did, I can imagine them watching out the window to see when the police were going to come and raid this place. Uh, but nothing happened. Nothing happened for weeks and months. And then late one night, the police surrounded that house. They burst in. They caught the drug dealers red-handed. And apparently, all the while, they had informants buying drugs against those people and they, from those people. And they'd been building an airtight case not just against the dealers, but against their suppliers. But my parents didn't know it. I mean, there was no way they could see. But something was happening. The authorities were at work that entire time. People often wonder where God is when something bad is happening. I think someday they'll discover that he was right there, that he was working And more, he was waiting for them to join him in what he was doing. But they were oblivious to it. They were waiting for God to help them accomplish their all-important project, and it never dawned on them to ask him if he might be working on one of his own. Jesus assures us that he is. God is at work right now in our church, in your neighborhood, in our community, in our world. He is meticulously setting the stage step by step. He's not just preparing to act, though he is doing that. He is acting right now all around us. There's always some God thing going on around us. But instead of joining in, We frequently sit and wait for the creator and sustainer of the universe to make himself useful and help us accomplish our work. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. The most important thing by far is not what you're working on, but what he is working on. If you want to know him in a life-changing way and get caught up in something big. Stop asking what God can do for you and start asking what you can do with him. I'm not talking about you, the Lone Ranger, doing something for God. Oh, I'm going to go do something great for God. But you, God's child, working alongside your father. Many people are not just oblivious to what God is doing, which is a cause of concern in itself. They aren't even interested in what he's doing which is a much greater concern. They have their thing, and they can't understand why God isn't doing anything about it. They, and I should say we, because I've been guilty of this many, many times, 
are mixed up on who is God and who is not. Our text, John 5, we're going to read verses 17 through 20. John 5, verse 17, Jesus said to them, he, he has some people who are arguing with him at this point. My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. So the father is working. Now hold on. In the creation account, Genesis chapter 2, we read, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Genesis tells us God finished what he was doing and rested from all his work. So how can Jesus say the Father is always at work to this very day? Is he resting or is he working? Isn't the claim that he rested repeated several times in Genesis and then again in Exodus and in Deuteronomy and then restated in the New Testament? Did God retire or not? The idea that God created the world and then went on an extended vacation has had enormous influence in philosophy and in everyday life, but it's based on a misreading of the text people reading the text many years later, the author of Genesis never intended his readers to understand that God finished his big project and then went into hibernation. It is more like he finished the house, moved in, and now he works from home. Jesus is very clear. The father is not retired. He still goes to work every day. The work of creation didn't wear God out. He doesn't need a break. He doesn't want a break. He loves to work. Nobody has a better work ethic than our Heavenly Father. Jesus understood and he wanted us to understand that his Father is currently at work in the world. Currently. The ramifications of that fact are enormous. What if God is already working in your family, your kids, your grandkids. He is. You thought you had to figure everything out and make it right, but instead you just have to find out what he's doing and join him. See, what he's doing is more important than what you're doing. What if God's already at work in our church? He is. We thought we had to figure everything out and make it right. But instead, we just have to find out what God's doing and join him. And the same is true in our workplace, on our golf league, our favorite coffee shop or restaurant. It's true in our town. It's true in our country. <clears throat> find out what God is doing and join him. Sometimes we act as if God is absent 
and it's up to us to take up the slack. So we worry and we fret and we exhaust ourselves. Years ago, there was a town in the rural south that was slated to go out of existence. For several years, they knew this was going to happen. Uh, The valley it occupied was going to be flooded. A lake was going to be there when the river was dammed. So the little town was going to disappear under the water. New homes were built. After years of planning, everyone moved to higher ground. So that was the setting. That really happened. But imagine that one of the residents of that little town decides that his home is too small. His family is growing, and so he needs more space. So six months before the completion of the dam, he begins adding on a room. About the time he gets done, the waters cover his house, and his work and his money come to nothing. Or imagine if Noah decided, God talked to Noah and said, I want you to build an ark. And Noah said, you know what? I think I'll build a temple instead. That would be super cool. I'm going to build this beautiful temple. And he worked hard. He did a magnificent job. The temple was glorious, one of the wonders of the world. But the waters still would have come and washed it and all of his work away. Not to mention humanity. That's the kind of thing that happens when people ignore what God's doing and just do their own thing. Sometimes we not only ignore what God's doing, we actually get in his way. Take the guy who covers for his friend. Uh, You know, maybe the guy's got a drinking problem or something. So he covers for him and saves him from the consequences of his choices when God was going to make use of those consequences to bring real lasting change to his friend's life. Or take the parent who uses criticism and condemnation to try to change bad behavior, but only succeeds in closing the child's heart and driving her away from the parents and from God. See, Jesus knew that the Father is working and he lived in that reality. And we must know that too. I have come down, he said, from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus was in the family business. He didn't do his own thing. He did his father's work. On another occasion, he says that his food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. It was his food Getting involved in God's work energized him, it satisfied him, it fortified him. And he knew it would do the same for us. While it's still day, we must do the work the Father has given us. When we're working with, rather than apart from or in opposition to God, things happen. They happen around us and they happen in us. Now, Maybe you're thinking, now wait a minute, that sounds like work salvation. We're not saved by works. St. Paul tells us so. Well, that's true, but we are saved into works. St. Paul tells us that too. It's important that we understand salvation is into a vocation, not just a destination. A vocation in which we join the Father and the Son in their good work. And while we're doing that, we not only advance their work in the world, Their work in us progresses to its fulfillment. That's how God designed it. Brilliant, isn't it? But how does one join the Father and the Son in their good work? 
How do you do that? Do you have to become a preacher, chaplain, evangelist, something like that, go off to Bible college, seminary? No, God's work isn't limited to the church. Our Father is at work right now at the Walmart Distribution Center and out at Clemens and in your factory and at the school board and in your home. Artists do his work. Farmers do his work. Builders do his work. Sales associates do his work. Teachers do his work. Or they don't. But they can. We can. Again, how does one join the Father and the Son in their good work? Jesus is our example. He shows us how to do it. Our text grows out of this larger story in which Jesus has come to Jerusalem for a religious festival, and while he's there, he spots a man that's in a really bad situation. Jesus asks about him. He learns that he's been in a bad way for a long time, and he recognizes in that moment that the Father wants him to do something. The Father is at work in this man's life. When he thought about that, he realized the Spirit was telling him this was the Father's work. Now, how did he realize that? How did Jesus recognize that helping this man was the Father's work? There's lots of people in bad situations, right? How did he know this was the Father's work? How would we know? We worry that we're going to miss the clues. And we won't do something the Father wants us to do. Or we'll do something that we don't need to do that isn't the Father's will. What if we're mistaken? What if we don't pick up on the clues? Joining and the Father's work is not a matter of picking up on clues. Let me say that again. Joining in the Father's work is not a matter of picking up on clues. This isn't a mystery to be revealed or a puzzle to be solved. It's the family business, and our Father takes it on himself to give us our assignments. We don't need to worry about that. Look at what Jesus says in verse 19. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Okay, let's break that down. First, the son. Think about who we're talking about. The heir of all things, through whom the universe was made, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, who sustains all things by his powerful word, the son of God himself says he can do nothing by, or originating from, might be better, himself. Even the eternal son didn't say, well, what can I think of to do? But what is my father doing? We must learn to think in that way, in our homes, in the places where we work, among our friends. What is the father doing? Jesus says, he only does what he sees the Father doing and whatever he sees the Father doing. That's what he does. Now, there lies the key, and there also lies the problem. Jesus saw the Father doing things, and he joined with him in doing them. But he had extraordinary spiritual vision. We don't. So how can we join in? We're going to get to that in a moment. 
first noticed that Jesus doing the Father's business wasn't dependent upon his extraordinary spiritual vision. The initiative lay with the Father, not the Son. Look at verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Jesus sees what the Father is doing, not because he has extraordinary spiritual vision, though he does, but because the Father shows him what he's doing. In the same way, we don't see what God's doing because we're smart or spiritual, but because he shows us. Jesus' relation to the Father is the precedent for our relationship to him. He said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus is the model. We are sent into the world as he was sent into the world to join in God's work, and we can have absolute confidence that God will show us what he's doing. Notice why the Father shows the Son his work. It's not because he's shorthanded, not because there aren't enough volunteers. He shows him what he's doing because he loves him. Whenever God shows us what he's doing, it's a gift of love. Maybe you're afraid that you'll not see what God is doing, even if he shows you. And the reality is, that's quite possible. Is there a recipe we can follow? Is there some kind of formula that we can use? for seeing what the Father's doing around us? No. There's no formula. Some people think God will show them what to do by giving them a sign. And they're always seeing signs, or think they're seeing them. These are the puzzle builder Christians, the mystery solver types, who are susceptible to taking any coincidence as a sign. You know, minutes after the boss told me I was losing my job, I got a, a wrong number call from a California area code. And earlier this week, there were cars parked on either side of me with California plates. It must be a sign. That's not how God works. Nor can you read the Bible as if it were a coded message to tell you what you're supposed to do. So two friends got together at their 30th high school reunion. They hadn't seen each other for a long time. The one had gone to college, became a veterinarian, worked hard, earned a lot of money, but had recently made some bad investments and was in a financial bind. The other guy didn't go to college, never held a job for more than a year or two, yet he was quite prosperous. The first guy said, how did you do it? And the second guy said, man, it was really simple. One day I opened my Bible, dropped my finger on a page, and the word under my finger was oil. So I just got my parents' inheritance. I put it all in oil. I made a bundle. And, and so I did it again. And I opened my Bible, and I put my finger down, and I opened my eyes, and it was on the word gold. So I used all the money that I made from the oil, and I bought gold, and the price shot up the next day. And so I tried it another time. And this time I'd opened the book of Ruth. I looked at where my finger was, and it was on buy the land. So I got into real estate, and I just made a fortune. So the guy in financial trouble, when he gets back to his hotel, he grabs a Gideon Bible, he shuts his eyes, he lets it fall open, he puts his finger on a page, he opens his eyes, and his fingers are pointing to the words, chapter 11. (laughs) 
That's not what the Bible's for, and it's not how God shows us what he's doing. Look, how he shows us is not the important thing. He has a million ways to do that. Through thoughts that come during prayer or Bible reading, through chance conversations, through circumstances, even weird circumstances, through counsel, through Christian friends. How is not important? God has a million hows. What is important is who. God uses his million hows with select whos. But you can be one of them. Are we back to people with superior spiritual vision? No. The people who see what God is doing are not exceptionally spiritual. They see what God shows them because they, like Jesus, they love God and do what he says. This is John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands, this is Jesus talking. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Just as the Father showed himself to the Son. It's not a formula that's needed. It's a commitment. But more than that, it's a commitment of love. See, the people who are able to see what God is doing are people who have seen who God is. That's the way it works. Not just what he's doing, but who he is. The God who is light all the way through. The God who is Father. They've responded to what they've seen with gratitude, with love and worship. If you've not seen the God who is light all the way through, who is your loving Father, you can ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him to give you eyes to see him. Stop reading the Bible for clues. It's not a puzzle. But read it to get to know your God and his ways. If you've not seen God, look at the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on him. He is the image of the invisible God. And let me mention one other thing. If you're always in a hurry, you will certainly miss what God is doing. Maybe you read your Bible, but you have to hurry through it every day. Not just sometimes, but every day. Hurry's the enemy. It must be eliminated from our lives. You know, there are weeks, and there have been hundreds and hundreds of them in my life where I get up and start work the beginning of the week and think I don't see how I'll ever get done. And that puts me in a frame of mind that is antithetical to the, the frame of mind necessary to see what God is doing. Eliminate hurry. Trust God. He is at work all around us right now, around you. I know you have things you want him to do. But more important, find out what he's doing. And join him. All right, let's bow our heads.
Maybe God has spoken to you and you want to talk to him about something from what we just thought about. Would you do that right now? Maybe you just want to say, God, I want to know you. I want to see who you are. Would you show me who you are? Maybe you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm, I have tried to use you instead of serve you. Would you show me what you're doing? But talk to him right now. Thank you, Father, for hearing us. Thank you for being interested in us and wanting us. You really are our good Father. Amen.